Welcome back to BNN Bloomberg 1410 AM, also at 103.5 FM HD3. And streaming on Spotify at Agency Click presents Everything Film with Film Robot, Joe Leary and Patrick Shelton. And our guest, first up today. is Paula Antill. It's Paula Antill, assistant director and a very, very busy uh, active assistant director as well, I might add. How are you, Paula? Welcome. I'm good. Thank you. You do a radio? Have you done radio before? I, uh, yeah, I did a comedy show a long time ago with uh, Guy McFarlane. Guy McFarlane. Mm -hmm. Now, you come from the business of funny. So before we get into the directorial resume that you boast, um, what got you into stand-up and why? Were you, were, you, were you a ham as a kid? Were you funny as a kid? Well, I was the third child, so I had to be. Or they wouldn't know I existed. So it was like, you know, the, my brother was the oldest, and he's the son. And my, they had a daughter, and so I was screwed. You know, I had to... I had to do something. I don't know what your experience, Patrick, is in the world of seeing stand-ups, but I've found, and I don't know if this is across the board, but generally, some of the raunchier stuff comes out of the female comics than, than, than the guys. <laughs> if, oh, yeah. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. <laughs> okay. Why is that? Uh, you know, it's... Uh, uh, maybe it's because you think you're pushing a boundary, or maybe it's just because a female perspective hasn't been told or, you know, the material hasn't been hit by a female. Males have hit that material over and over and over again, so it's very hard to make it fresh for a guy. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, um, with comedy, I think everybody has a comedian inside them. And one of the things that always is surprising, I go, I could do that, I could do that. I've, I, I've got, I'm a funny guy and everything. But then actually standing up there and crossing over that line mm -hmm. is a different story. And, I mean, I'm sure oh, I you can remember your first time. I don't think I could do it now. Really? Just well, I don't know. jumping on? Yeah, yeah. You know, because, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I remember the first time I whispered my entire set. Like, mm -hmm. I just was like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, now, uh, the, last, the last set I did uh, was with a uh, guy, Kevin Fox. He had this room, was that, I think it was a colony bar in Kitsilano, and I bombed. Like, I bombed <laughs> wow. and I've never and I've had very few bombs in the whole the time I did stand up and it hurt and he just looked at me and goes what's going on were you like nervous and I was like I was and then I knew I was like oh yeah what, how do you like okay you've bombed there must have been nights when you just killed oh yeah 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 and what is the determination what is, is it just different audiences different I mean you're using largely the same material I would presume it's timing yeah timing is the timing is is alcohol is involved yeah, yeah. and you get on you know if you get yeah. on before the alcohol is probably not good after the alcohol so what how do you handle that that <laughs> that guy with a bit of alcohol going you suck <laughs> what what do you do then i got i was so rarely heckled like i really really was i wasn't that person that you uh, that you heckled i don't know why and when i did remember this one guy and I destroyed him so badly after the show he came up to me and said why did you do that to me <laughs> <laughs> they don't realize you're armed first of all you've got a quick wit and you got a microphone they don't they don't stand a chance but they yet don't they still stand a chance but they they want their 15 seconds of fame I guess well it's also going all out there with um uh, I remember an article Jim Carrey was and he was talking and this is years ago and he decided one day that he was just going to leave the planet and that was it and one of two things was going to happen everybody's going to think he was like insane and lock him up or it was going to work and if you think about that the stuff that he did was he just went berserk mm -hmm. he yeah. went like and yeah. like okay and then he got famous from it 
But how many people would be willing to do all that stuff, like talking out of your butt and doing all these <laughs> things? Well, no, whatever he did, right? That's a gift. But I mean, like, that's another level that most people wouldn't go to. Like, you probably wouldn't, Paul. You wouldn't say, okay, no. I'm going to go to this no. next level and go on stage and do this. Yeah. I don't have that, though. Right? But some you people know. do, right? Yeah. But I, like... Yeah. That would what Jim Carrey did. That that that's not in my head. You know, a, that's yeah, why you he's special. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, what was the jumping off point? What was the point where you thought I'm going to chuck this? I'm I'm going somewhere else. Oh, you mean in comedy. terms of going to film or comedy? Just getting out of comedy. Well, um, I used to tour with a guy named Daryl Lennox, and yep. uh, I know Daryl. He always says uh, I left for the green, and. Uh, there's not a lot of green in comedy. Yeah, no, there's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and uh, every once in a while, not not in the last couple of years, but he, I'd get a message from him, or I'd see him. He'd go, "Come on, Paula, one more time. Just give it one more shot. Yeah. Can't all be about the green." But the green was pretty good at that point. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it's been a it's a def, it's a different life. And speaking of green, I looking at your resume. And it's pretty extensive. I've noticed I, I counted five Christmas films you got are you just a fan of the season or is it are you going for the green um i i seem to make one christmas movie every single year um but uh no like they just they just make so many of them and in bc it's really hard not to do one a year and especially the last one i did um they went um we did it at uh, bear mountain on the island uh, they put me up at the Bear Mountain Resort for like three weeks. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was August. I mean, it was beautiful. Um, I would have made any movie for three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's just happened yeah. to be a Christmas movie. Yeah. And the other thing is that they all end with the same plot. At the very end, the person realized that all they ever <laughs> needed was right there. At home. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do whatever before the show, but at the end, they realize it's a miracle of Christmas. It's, yeah. it's so bizarre to think of, you know, on the hottest day in the middle of summer, you're shooting a Christmas movie. But Irving Berlin wrote White Christmas in July in Scottsdale, Arizona. So again, when the inspiration hits, I mean, you've got to recreate that. So you said you tend to do one about one a season. One a season. There are they all the all happy family Christmas things, or are they like Psycho Christmas or anything crazy? I've never gotten to do a Psycho Christmas. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. Yeah. That would be a lot of angst. I think they're more Hallmark. 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 Hallmark-y. Yeah. yeah. Lifetime. Yeah. Lifetime Hallmark. Yeah. yeah. Her name is Paula Antill. She is an assistant director. And as we mentioned, the extensive uh, resume, you're working on something currently that you're saying that you're now allowed to reveal what it is. Yeah, because it's a hit variety. So I'm doing a movie called Sight, uh, starring Terry Chen and uh, Greg Kinnear. And we wrap tomorrow. Wrap tomorrow. What's what's the plot? Um, It's a biopic based on a true story uh, uh, book written by Sight, same name, written by Dr. Ming Wang, um, who's a... um, changed the world of laser eye surgery basically um incredible story and came from china got to a chance to go to school in america and uh ended up um being a revolutionary in terms of taking people that were blind and giving them sight during the pandemic because obviously people aren't going to theaters and big Mm. motion pictures weren't being released Mm -hmm. um, have you been working steadily have they been stockpiling so when the thing is finally we get the all clear there's going to be a ton of things um well we all went down just like you know uh i think i was down for two two months two and a half months um and then i did um, I was the first, I, I 
pretty sure I was the first AD back on the ground in Vancouver filming after we went down for COVID. And uh, no, they the, it was for Hallmark and it was called Wedding Every Weekend and it had its first um, uh, gay couple uh, featured and they kept pulling up our air date. So um, they're not stockpiling. They're just like, I mean, they're just releasing, releasing, releasing um, because they feel like they, people are starting to run out of new content. I don't know in terms of the big budget films. Like I know there are some big budgets being made in town right now, but they won't be released until, you know, 2023. Um, and of course, there's a lot of films that they've been holding off putting out into the theaters like the James Bond that now I understand they have to actually reshoot some of it because it's, you know, become dated because they weren't able to release it when it was supposed mm -hmm. to be released. Yeah. Um, there's another huge one. Oh, the uh, Top Gun film hasn't oh, come yeah. out yet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, um, I don't necessarily know if it's like stockpiling the big budget ones. They just haven't come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the, um, the, the terminology and pr pardon my ignorance here because I know what a director does, I think. Okay. What, what does the director do and what does the first AD do? What does the second AD, what, 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 what is the hierarchy? How does that actually work? Okay, so um, first AD gets given a script and then they decide how it's getting, the film's gonna be made. So they create the schedule. So they break down every scene into days and then that gets presented to the production and then that's the format that you do. You're literally the assistant to the director. So you also have a lot of, um, input creatively so so it's collaborative oh very collaborative okay, yeah. super collaborative and then like the first AD is the one on set that calls rolling and um, it depends who the director you're working with it um, most of the time I call action as well um, and then the director calls cut because um, mm -hmm. I don't decide when a moment's finished that's his job you know um, and then a second AD they're always dealing with what's happening the next day so like first AD is on set nonstop, making sure that everything's rolling for the day that you're filming. Second AD is making sure that they have the props, the set, uh, the parking. Well, you know, everyone knows how to get to the parking, if you will. Um, the second AD is, and this is funny because my second AD and I are very, very tight. And he actually texted me before I came here and he said, make sure you tell them how important a good second AD is okay. and feel free to drop my name. Duly noted. Go ahead and, go ahead and well, you said drop his name right now and say hello. Eddie Hardy, you're the best. There you Duly go. Duly noted, Eddie. Oh, way to go. Okay, so that's the second AD, but there's also a third AD. Yes, the third AD in Canada runs Circus. Um, so the third AD is the one that has to works the longest hours, has to be there a half an hour before the talent gets there, um, puts them into hair, makeup, sends them to set, and then also has to sign them out at the end of the night and basically has to sign out the rest of the crew too. So if it takes us an hour to wrap on a location, the third AD isn't there until the very end. They work crazy awful hours. So if the third AD works with the talent, mm -hmm. they must be the ones that have some great stories to tell, both good and nightmarish. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna leave it at that? <laughs> I mean, um, I, you know, I had, as a third AD, I had, you have nice people that, some people that you're shocked at how nice they are, like um, Heather Graham mm -hmm. was one of the nicest people I've ever met. And then there are people that you think will kind of be fun and then they turn out to be like giant douches <laughs> and you're like just so disappointed because you're like wow you're like yeah. you're on parks and rec yeah like you were great on that show yeah oh there's a you're hint you're such a douche in real life <laughs> 
And unfortunately, we were sort of swapping a story prior to recording this, um, and we both sort of concurred that the person involved is that, you know, G oh, totally. GD you referred to. But um, um, generally speaking, you have to sort of just bite your tongue, and, mm. and because the production is what, it, that's the ultimate goal, get this thing done. After the talent has left, you can, you know, unwind as much as you want. But at the end of the day, you've got to put up. I mean, have you seen like real diva-ish behavior from people? Oh, um, I did a movie where the earliest the actress was, was three minutes late the entire show. Yeah. And her hotel was five minutes away. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the old, like day one, 40 minutes late, went into a trailer. 40 minutes later, she came out. So, you know, that's like... Mm -hmm. You're you're uh, you uh, you have 125 people waiting yeah. for you. Yeah, and you I, know? I I know from um, that, and maybe maybe you can agree with me, Paul, is that the biggest thing is always money and the budget. Like the director is ready, is so stressed all the time because you know if you're got a like a 30 million dollar budget and you've cut into it, and all the things add up, so the all the ads are there to, and they're all working at that budget. Yeah, like, you can't spend that. You can't like. Everything adds up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like lunches and food and this and transportation. All of a sudden, you're a million dollars in. You go, how did that happen? And you've got the first scene done. I can imagine how stressful that could be on directors. Well, it's like, interesting. Like, they're behind. It's that, um, I mean, ugh, you got to get your days. Yeah. Like, you just kind of have to get your days. And uh, if you don't get your days, then um, the scenes that you missed get piled on to your future days. And... You know, then it can get really, yeah, that, really and bad. And that makes sense. Hence the long hours and like we're mm -hmm. going to keep going till we get this because mm -hmm. to start again and reset everything, set everything up, do it again, that's an expense. She is Paula Antill, assistant director, everything film, presented by Film Robot on BNN Bloomberg 1410 AM 103.5 FM HD3. Um, now, um, W.C. Fields had an old saying, never work with kids or pets. Right. Um, is there anything to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? then, then do, do tell. I uh, so just last January, January, January 2020. Um, um, one of the last things I did was Cats and Dogs three, and I was just doing second unit, which was all animals. And I have I would dance in front of the parrots to get a reaction. <laughs> I never saw my. I mean, I would. Oh, you were you? Yeah. Um, it's like. The parents would get excited when they saw me because they knew that I was going to basically put on a dance for them so that they would just look like they were moving around. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. Um, I did a dog movie, uh, Max 2, and uh, yeah, those that's German Shepherds, so those are great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the dogs can be divas too. Like, if you don't want them. <laughs> Like, they don't want to perform. They're not going to. And and they have to be monitored. Is, is oh, there, yeah. Is, there's a society, or is it SPCA, or, or who who basically is on set when you're dealing with animals? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, the Animal Humane Association, right. the AHA, I think. Right. Now, what about kids? Um, it depends. Like, you can have... We have uh, a kid on our show. Is, uh, his name's Jaden. I can't remember his last name. Um, uh, may, or maybe I shouldn't even say his last name. But um, he is, like remarkable remarkable and i'm just like watching him like going you're so great mm -hmm. and he's like yeah and then he'll go i always feel like i have a little bit of an australian accent and i'm like what are you talking because i just got back from filming in australia for like four months and it turns out he's like in you know he just finished filming a marvel movie wow. so i'm just like oh okay so you're a star good to know <laughs>
<laughs> and then when you're dealing with kids, you have parents on mm-hmm. set. They can sometimes run interference, can they not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, for the most part, I find that I find that parents are really good. Every once in a while, you run into like terrible parents. But honestly, this is kind of funny. I have found that the parents of background performers can sometimes be way worse than the really? parents of oh. actresses. Um, and it's just like, uh, you know, working to get their kids actor upgrades on the day or um, just pushing their kids to, that don't want to be there, like, you know, to be happier or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, oh, I just, you know, not everyone's made for it, you know. Parents do love their children. Yeah, they do. Sometimes a little too much. That's, yes, uh, exactly. That's and uh, the other thing that I've been on a number of film sets doing interviews over the years, and uh, it's you see different levels of catering as well, oh, Dep- yeah. like, just depending on the budget that Patrick was referring to. Mm-hmm. So you can have everything from maybe pizza and cookies to oh. full on. Well, I did. Um, so we did this movie called Hector and the Search for Happiness in Vancouver, but then they went on to fin- film in London and Shanghai and um, Simon Pegg was the star, and he actually sent me a photo of the craft service in London, and it was like a tipped-over thing of milk, <laughs> an old tin of, like, tea, and, yeah. like, some saltine crackers. Yeah. And he goes, it's really gone downhill. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's good. That's great. Wow. So what's the eventual goal? As, as, a, as an assistant director, obviously, to get the big chair, that's, that's the next target? Yeah. And what, what has to happen in order for that to be accomplished? Uh luck and opportunity okay you know um hopefully when the opportunity presents itself the opportunity presenting itself would be i think there's some luck there involved like everything in this industry um but i um i think that i'll be ready for it so you know um well you probably should like send back simon Pegg a picture of some good food and some good craft <laughs> services you know because i've heard he's pretty connected <laughs> Hey, take take the picture. You know, of our, of hey, our, you got to work what you do, right? Take a picture of our craft <laughs> services here. It's probably better than what Simon Pegg was doing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as a potential director in the making, then what what do you envision? Like, who is your idea? Like, when you when you were starting off in the world of stand up, you obviously would have had a, a role model or somebody that you aspired to be. Definitely. And who was that? Oh, Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. And Bob Newhart. And, oh, very well. Very That's diversely different, but not not really. No. Well, they both work clean. They yep. do clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you do a lot of blue? Mm-hmm. Some. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? They, you know what's interesting? You say that they are kind of similar. I never thought mm-hmm. that. That. Yeah. They kind of had the same comedy. That deadpan, like, oh yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. be funny, like it. Yeah, I've I don't never, know how to I've never, seen, Newhart, I've never seen Bob dance with an audience, though. That's no, that's one no. big difference. Although that'd be amazing. <laughs> be. Okay, so who is your inspiration? Who's the director that you wish to be? Oh God! There's... Maybe maybe based on the body of their work. Maybe not so much them as a person, but the the body of their work. Think, <laughs> who do you who do you admire? Well, I mean, it's like if you're gonna just do that, it's impossible not to admire like Steven Sp- Soderbergh, Steven Spielberg. Um, there are. Uh, you know, the 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 directors that do the the big films and still have so much character in them, I really really admire. Like, um, but I would I would love to be a female action director. Okay. To be honest, yeah. those are the films I love the most. Um, I love the action films. I can't help it. Um, 
I, I, so, so not like, Fast and the Furious. Though. So, like Batgirl or Wonder Woman or something like that, you could well, get behind that. When the Wonder first Wonder Woman movie came out, and uh, Patty, oh, I feel awful that I can't remember her last name, um, directed it, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's a woman director." And da, da, da. it's like, well, you know, sure, great. Um, it's just a fantastic yeah. movie, yeah. you know. Um, and like I know that right now, the Falcon and the what is it? The Falcon and the Snowman. No, that's that's an old movie. Oh, yeah. Falcon. The Winter Soldier. Oh, Falcon. Oh, yeah, the I know Falcon what you're talking about. So Falcon. And that whole series is directed by a woman. Yeah. And uh, it's like it doesn't always need to be pointed out. Sometimes I think that's almost a disadvantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was wondering about that because you would think that a good director is a good director, mm-hmm. regardless of what they may be. But is there still that, you know, you hear some stories. Is there still like the old boys network to some degree going on? Or has it pretty much been sort of uh, ironed out over the years? No, it's still there. You know, it, but uh, it's. I think it's getting better. I mm. think it's changing, you know. Um, change is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as people die, things get better. <laughs> what a positive <laughs> note that is to leave on. The, the, other, the, 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 one other thing, the one other thing I was saying, maybe, um, maybe you could comment on this, is why do names get associated to, I always say like Quentin Tarantino, right? So it's like Quentin Tarantino's film, but it's his name and then the name of the movie. Like it's a, a name, right? And the same with that Tyler Perry guy. Like I go like, what is, like I don't even know the name of his shows, but it's Tyler Perry's this, right? It's yeah. like a, it's like the directors become a brand. Well, that's, you know? that's exactly it. Which yeah. is like, uh, I, I totally get that. I mean, Tyler Perry has a giant fan base. If yeah. it has Tyler Perry's name associate, associated with it, a lot of people are going to watch it automatically. Um, I will yeah. go see any Quentin Tarantino movie. So you just will, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, makes, it makes sense, but it, 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 I, I'm just saying it's kind of interesting that the directors have become a brand, right? So it's like, so anyway. How do you... I wanted to know this. How do you, do you lobby for work? Is it largely a word of mouth or, you know, because of your network of connections that you'll get a call for this film or that film? Or can you petition someone strongly to go, I want to be on this crew? Um, I've never been successful and I've tried that. Um, it's always been word of mouth. It's always through associations. It's the film industry is all about who you know and whether they like you or not and whether you have um, a positive things like surrounding your name in within the industry. Um, this last one, I this last movie I got because I'd worked with the executive producer before on a different film and she went back to the first AD that had done that film and he said, I'm not available, but Paula is. And so that's how I got the call. So it's always, you know, it's always like that. Don't you get the impression it would be a fun set if Paula's on it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, there's good Paula and bad Paula? No, no. <laughs> there's, there's a just, you know, there's days where you, this, it, you got to get it done. Yeah. And, you know, and the pressure's on and we've, you know, you've got a lot to accomplish on that day, you know, and, and then fun Paula can sometimes not be around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's days like tomorrow will be fun holiday. Because it's wrap day tomorrow. It's wrap day tomorrow. In, in any in any industry, it's you go with who you know, right? Because you Generally, know what? It worked yeah. before. It's going to work again. So, and I think the film industry would be even double of that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much pressure. It's like you're not going to get a person that's new and take a chance on somebody if you know 
these people worked and they did everything properly well, on the show we worked on previously. So it's got to it's got to work like that. Wouldn't you agree, Paula? Like it's, a, it's an effect of like people it's moving almost, towards it's together. Almost, it's almost too much to be honest. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. like where you know, like every single industry in the world, there are people that have accumulated in a massive resume, but mm. are not necessarily good anymore they might have been good at one point or maybe they weren't ever who knows or maybe they're just over it and not you know but still need to make money and there are young people that have just a few credits but these but when you're up for a film a lot of the times or a network tv show um your resume will go to people in offices that are never on film sets that have never actually you know been there during the filming process and they just look at your resume and they decide based on what you've done whether you're capable of doing it or not and so a lot of times I've lost out on gigs to people that um you know are I'm not going to say they're worse than me but that I'm just as good as just simply because they have more things on their resume right when I've been the first choice Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's always a little frustrating but then you kind of go okay whatever I'll keep working I will get that resume, and you won't be able to say no to me next time. Excellent. Have you uh, done your annual Christmas movie so far in 2021? No, I haven't. You haven't? Okay. Well, go for the green. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Antle, you're a delight. Thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we'll have you on down the road when you're the, the director. Yeah, that'd be awesome. No more of this assistant stuff. Yeah, huh? take that out. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you, you so much.